God bless everybody. All right. <laughs> so, you ever like, uh, <laughs> I'm going to start off this way. You ever say yes to something and then wonder why you said yes to it? There's no reason. I'm just saying. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking right now. So, this week, I have to admit to you guys, now usually I don't like to tell people like, oh man, I struggled, you know, this week, but this week I had kind of a rough week. It felt really, really busy. I don't think anything was more busy than usual, but it felt busy. It felt heavy this week, right? I, uh, I felt like when you say yes to something like, yeah, I'll, I'll minister or I'll pray or something, you have like the worst week ever, you know, when you're preparing for something. I don't know if you've ever done anything like this. Or even if, if it's like a school, you're having a, you have a report or something. It just feels like you, you just st stank at it. You're right? You just couldn't get it right. That's kind of how this week felt. It's kind of like a diet. You ever had, like, you ever started the diet? I started the diet this week, so don't worry. I just, I'm going to lose this. Don't clap. I promised my wife I'd stay chunky. That was a joke. Y'all didn't support me. No. Um, so... It's like starting a diet. You ever start a diet and then, you, and then everyone brings pizza? Like all of a sudden people want to be generous. Hey, I brought Dunkin' Donuts to the office, you know. There's six of them. Take them, Jay. If I must. It's kind of like that, you know, where you feel like the trial and tribulation thickens a little bit. I had a hard time concentrating this week. I had a hard time sitting down to really study. Like I felt like I needed to study more and more and more. And I felt like I couldn't concentrate. Like my brain was... So ADHD type, it was crazy. I had financial issues. I forgot that I paid a bill, and I forgot that I paid it. And then all of a sudden, the money was out of my account. And I was like, where's my money? And I paid a bill. I forgot. I scheduled it. Boom, okay? My bad. I had, I had that. I got devastating family news this week. I had, I had some, uh, some, some issues occur this week, and it really got me down. And then finally, I sat down, and I said, God, speak to me. And you guys could bring up this, this, uh, this verse. He, I said, God, speak to me. And this verse that God brought me to is so popular, so uh, you've heard it over and over and over, and you've heard it preached on over and over and over again. But to the point that it changed, but when I read it, I, I looked at it different. It changed my view and my perception. It was like I was reading it for the very first time. It changed my direction of the preaching. It changed my direction of my walk. And most of all, it changed my perception of, of my trial and my tribulation. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand up with me one more time. You don't have to turn to the verse, but we're going to read this together. Okay, it's on the screen there. So it says in Deuteronomy 31.6, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who, get, who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Father God, we just declare right now that you are in control, Father God. This morning, speak to us. Reveal yourself to us, Lord. Reveal your unfailing love, your unforsaking love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys may be seated. You know, this, uh, this series, right, that we've been talking about, no, no fairy tales, so that you may believe type series, it's been challenging us. It's almost like Pastor George is showing us the truths 
of the word versus the truths of the world, revealing some of the lies of the enemy and hopefully equipping you with the tools to move forward in your faith, helping you believe in the word and the promises of God. And this series has personally challenged me a little bit. It's challenged me to think a little bit differently. And it's, it's more like uh, I've been looking at things. Yes, you know, at first it kind of started with like, oh, I want to no, I want to be equipped so when the atheist comes at me and says, God doesn't exist, I want to know what to say to him. But you know what the reality is, is that there's nothing you can really say to that person. It's how you live. It's what you went through. Amen? If my walk depicts something, they see it. I've never once had to tell somebody I was a Christian. But how come they know sometimes? You ever experienced that? I feel like I can talk to you, man. I don't know what it is, but I feel like, you know, you're easy to talk to. And I feel like you have some kind of knowledge that I don't have. And I never told them anything like, yeah, I studied the Bible. Big whoop. They don't care about that, right? And I started to realize that it's not, it's not the destination, but it's the journey. Now, we, we talk about a lot. Look, your past does not define you, and I agree with that. But, the, but there's certain things that happen in between in your journey, on your road to where God has taken you, that defines who you are, that equips you to get to where you are. Let me tell you a little story. This is kind of funny. Well, not, not a story, but let's, let's talk about elementary school. Everybody, I, I, I was going to talk about high school, but not everybody went to high school. It's okay. Some of y'all GED'd it. It's fine. It's fine. That's good. Junior high school, some of us didn't pay attention. But elementary school, we all went to elementary school. Can I have did everybody do that? Now, there were, there were two things in elementary school, amen, that, that I enjoyed the most. And you may not agree with me on this one, but the first one was recess or some kind of playtime. You guys remember that, right? No matter how dressed up you went to school, you messed up them, them sneakers, right? The second one, maybe because I'm chunky, but it was lunch, and I like lunch. Thank you. Man, I thought I was going to be alone on that one. That's good. Yeah, lunch, breakfast, dinner, who cares? Food. So lunch was the second best, or the, you know, for me it was the very best. You got to talk, right? You, didn't, you couldn't talk all day. How do you tell kids you can't talk all day? But in lunch, you could talk. And there was the one thing that made lunch so much better, and that was, oh my God, you said it, chocolate milk. <laughs> Tasty, but why, though? <laughs> chocolate milk. Chocolate milk makes everything better. Why? I don't know what it is. Let me tell you something. The reality is, is that if I'm eating dinner, spaghetti, whatever it is, and you put chocolate milk on my table, I'm swipe. I'm like, no, that's disgusting. But in school, it was like, chocolate milk, son, you know? <laughs> but there was always at least one day of the week where they didn't have chocolate milk anymore. They had, they had the blue one, the skim, and you were like, what's that? And they had the regular. <laughs> and it was it's kind of frustrating. So there we go, I'd show up on the line and boom, no chocolate milk. And you get your lunch and you slap it on the table and you see all your friends and you're like, what's up man, no chocolate milk, you know? Maybe your friends' names were like my friends, William, John, right? I had a friend named Brian, but we didn't call him that. It was like Pookie, Cha-Cha, like, <laughs> Pookie, Cha-Cha, there's no milk. Which by the way, after a certain age, I was like, look, I don't know what your real name is, but it's not Cha-Cha and I'm not calling you Cha-Cha no more. <laughs> Pookie, like from really far away, that's not happening. There's no chocolate milk. 
And then, I don't know about you guys, but for me, in my school, every single time there was no chocolate milk, there was this one kid who snuck on the table and who held something like this, just kind of like, <laughs> and he would sit down, and maybe he'd make eye contact with you and then realize, all right, I gotta tell this guy what's going on. Chocolate milk. <laughs> and you look at him like, oh, chocolate milk, huh? Oh my God, that's amazing. None of us got chocolate milk. Everyone has regular. What's the one question we'd ask that kid who had the chocolate milk? Where'd you get the chocolate milk? You see, even as children, we understood it's not necessarily where you wound up or what you, or, or what you have, but we want to know how you got it. How'd you get there? Even, even as children, we understood that it wasn't just a destination. Yes, I want what you have, but I need to know how you got it. You know why? Because we're, we are TMZ generation. We're a bochinche generation. You guys know what bochinche is? It's like Spanish for gossip, but it's like worse, like gossip. You know, it's bochinche. It has a bunch of syllables. Bochinche. It's just really, we're, 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 a, we're a keeping up with the Kardashians type generation. We want to know everything. We just don't want to know what Kim Kardashian wore to the awards. We want to know how she chose the outfit. We want to know who dressed her. Why, why, why did she wear the red shoes as opposed to the black ones? We're nosy. We want to know all these things. Why? Because it helps us to then think, well, maybe if I do that, I'll get to that destination too. You see... Even in Deuteronomy, and I want to talk about that because I read that verse not understanding. I had a kind of a plan, and then all of a sudden I read Deuteronomy 6, and then I was like, wait a minute, but what's, what's Deuteronomy 6? What's the context of that, right? Who's, who's talking? What's going on? It turns out it's Moses, right? And Moses is 120 years old at this point. I'm 32. My back hurts. <laughs> I'm tired of dealing with some of you guys. No offense. But y'all get on my nerves sometimes. Not you guys. I'm just kidding. So there, I'm reading this. I'm like 120 years old. And a lot of times in the Bible, we don't know specific. But that was very specific. Moses was 120. His back was hurting. In parentheses, I read that. I just put that in. That's okay. And he tells the Israelites after 40 years of dealing with this nonsense, he tells them and he... And he and and he had every right to be angry, every right to be disappointed. This is after he had found out that, guess what? Your destination ends here, Moses. Everything, you know, we all, we all kind of know the story of Moses. We all seen the cartoons. And, you know, even if you're not a Christian, you heard of, like, Pharaoh and, and, and the 40 years, right? And, and the complaining of the Jews, right? Or the Israelites. And there he is, after all that time, after all of that struggling, he tells them, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. In some versions, it says he will go before you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Even in that, his trials, his tribulations, his journey taught him that much. That You know what? It doesn't matter where I'm going. It doesn't matter where my destination is. It doesn't matter where I thought I was going to go. Know this. God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. I've learned this much. Amen. 
And it got me to thinking, maybe I need to go back a little bit. Now, we've all heard this story, but I'm going to tell it again. I don't care what you guys heard or not before. It's been preached on this very stage. I don't care. We're going to talk about this thing. I'm going to hit some points. I'm going to hit some miracles. We've been talking about miracles a lot. Amen? All right, no fairy tales. In Exodus 4, you don't have to turn to it. I'm going I'm to abbreviate. It talks about the burning bush. Moses was chilling, doing his thing, and then he sees a bush on fire. So if you're Moses, what do you do? You talk to the bush, obviously, right? Because that's, that's what you do. You go to the bush and go, God, is that you? No, I'm out, son. Like, I'm running so fast. What if there's others? I don't have water. I can't put that out. Forest fires are real, right? That's what I'm thinking. No. But God speaks to Moses. And he says, you're standing on holy ground. Moses flicks off his flip-flops. And he's like, oh, my God. He falls to his knees. And he's talking to God through a burning bush. It's not, not a miracle. I don't know if that happened today. I still wouldn't believe you. Like, dude, you need to check yourself. God, God spoke to Moses. He tells Moses, I got a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. I need you to go back to Egypt, and I need you to rescue and take the people, uh, the, the people of Israel out of Egypt. You see, at that, at that point, the people of, uh, of, of Israel, they were enslaved, basically. You know, they were, they were struggling. They were being treated really, really badly. And so he told Moses, I need you to go get them. Now, don't get me wrong. Moses had his struggles, and he was like, nah, that's not cool. I'm not doing that. But guess what? Eventually, he did. He went out to go get the people of, of Israel out of Egypt. Let's fast forward a little bit. In, in Exodus 7, God is basically telling Moses, look, I'm going to equip you. I'm going to school you on this one. I want you to take the staff, the walking stick that you got. I want you to throw it to the ground, and it's going to turn into a serpent. I don't know if you've ever seen a stick. Okay, first of all, let me explain something to you. I'm very scared of snakes. In general, right? You throw a worm at me, I'm flipping out. The strength that is inside, you have no idea how strong I am. I will break walls. I will run through doors. You have no idea. If you throw a fake snake at me, it is the worst decision you would have ever made. Professional athletes and fighters will go down to the wrath that I have. There is no man alive in this world that could stop me from punching you directly in the neck and bringing you down. If you try to throw a snake at me. And then, so now he's telling Moses, I want you to throw that stick to the ground. It's going to turn into a serpent. Pharaoh's going to be like, oh, right? So now he goes, and he actually goes to do it. And him and Aaron, they go in there, and they throw the staff. And then sure enough, it turns into a snake or to a serpent. And to me, that's another miracle. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I haven't. Let's fast forward a little bit. I want to go to another miracle. Actually, I didn't even put this as a miracle, but I kind of want to side note this a little bit. In Exodus 12, 31 through 32, I'm going to read this. This, this is how I read it. You can read it how you want to. It says, Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron during the night. Get out, he ordered, leaving, leave my people and take the rest of the Israelites with you. Go and worship as uh, the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds, as, as you said, and be gone. But um, can you bless me first before you leave? That's what he basically did. But can you, um, just saying, I don't believe what you, but can you just throw one of these at me? You just throw some, some holy water at my head real quick. At this point, even Pharaoh had to believe something. 
Now, there's a whole junk that happened in between that. I really suggest you, you read it. You guys like novellas, right? I know you do because you already told me you're a TMZ generation. How did you get there? It's just like a novella, bro. Read that joint. You're going to be like, oh, snap. Bloody water? What? It's true. <laughs> in Exodus 14, we learn that after all this, finally the Israelites, the people of Israel are gone and they're escaping and they're making their journey. And then Pharaoh decides, nah, I'm kind of pissed off. They got me. They tricked me. I'm going to go get them. And he sends people to go get them and kill them. In verse 13 through 14, Moses knows this already, and this is what he tells the people. And this might sound familiar to you. Moses told the people, do not be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. What proceeds to happen after this is insane and miracle-esque, no, miracle-crazy, is when he takes that staff, once again, the snaky staff, and he splits the sea with it. You see, they got to a point where they couldn't run anymore. They either go in the water, they die. They either get caught, they die. So they make a decision, God, what do I do? Split the sea. He splits it. Now, all of a sudden, they're walking on dry land. Now, this is, this is not you. This is me. I'm touching the water as I'm walking like, oh, Moses, <laughs> my G, look at this. And I, you got to have the gangsaline when you're walking like that. <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe a little fearful at first, like, and then you're like, this ain't falling. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. This is how amazing that miracle was. What the Bible goes on to tell us is now if the when the when the when the Egyptians finally got to that same spot, they were like, well, we're going to cross too." They, they witnessed Moses do this, but they're like, this is going to hold up for us. Right. They go to chase them. Now, it had the water just fallen on them. I would totally believe that that's fine with me. That's totally makes sense. But this is how you know that God was trying to do things to the next level. It didn't just fall and crush them and kill them and, and take them away. This, the Bible talks about how they're like, they, their horses and their, uh, their carts started to wobble. They couldn't go straight. They started to, to tumble and fall before the water ever fell. I think that's pretty crazy to me. Could have just fell. That would have been fine enough. But God was like, nah, next level. One of, the, one of the other things that happened, this is one of the last miracles I'll talk about, is that God appears before Israel. Well, the people of Israel. In Exodus 19, I'm going to read it word for word. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, I will come to you in a thick cloud, Moses. Test one, two. So the people themselves can hear me when I speak with you. Then they will always trust you. Then it goes on in six, uh, verse 16. It says, On the morning of the third day, thunder roared and lightning flashed, and a dense cloud came down on, on the mountain. There was a long, loud blast from a ram's horn, and all the people trembled. Moses led them out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it from in a form of fire 
So I don't know if you, you can imagine this. This is like a crazy, intense moment right now. They're witnessing this with their own eyes. There is no magic. There is nobody there. There's no, there's nobody, there's no 3D. There's no flash photography type stuff. There's nothing. There's no Photoshop in this situation at all. This is really happening. Thunders are happening. They're hearing someone just blowing a ram's horn. And they're looking around like, who's doing that? Who's got the trumpet? Nobody is, you know, this is a crazy situation. And they're witnessing God come down himself. He eventually calls to Moses and speaks to Moses. And they all witness it. Eventually, we've come full circle in Deuteronomy 31.6. And we hear Moses say the very thing that he said. And he says, be strong, be courageous, do not be afraid, do not panic. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He'll fight for you. What I didn't really mention throughout some of these miracles is that even through the miracles and through the crazy stuff, as we've been talking about, as we've been talking about for the last few weeks, there was still unbelief. We talk about the burning bush in Exodus 4, how Moses literally was, 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 was talking to God. I believe that he did it through a burning bush so that Moses would believe. It's really easy to speak to Moses, but he did it through something like that because Moses knew that that was not normal. He did it so Moses would believe. Yet, if you read that over and over and over again, Moses continued to deny his, his calling. He told God, no, not me. No, not me. I don't want to go. Nah, but God, what if? But God, what if? To the point that God got angry and was like, oh, God, take Aaron with you. My God. I believe God says my God, like, you know, at a higher level, like, oh, God, me. This guy, take Aaron. Jeez. Oh, you're annoying. (laughs) In Exodus 7... We talked about how he turned the staff into a serpent, right? I, uh, I believe God did that so that Pharaoh would believe. What I didn't tell you was that Pharaoh was like so hard. His heart was so hard and he didn't believe any of that stuff. In fact, he had people who was like rocking the voodoo stuff who was doing the same thing. And there was a whole crazy situation where Aaron's you know, snake ate the other snakes. And it was like, what is going on? Weird animal planet stuff. Read the Bible. It's crazy, Okay. But even still, Pharaoh did not believe. He wasn't convinced. It took many, many things before he finally let the people of Israel go. Many nasty stuff. And you got to read that to, to hear it. I'm not going to tell you about it today. Aww. In Exodus 14, we talk about how, how Moses split the Red Sea. I believe he did that for two reasons. One, so the Egyptians would believe. They witnessed it. They saw it. And yet they still didn't believe. They still chased after them. They still went after them after seeing miracle like that. And second, so that the Israelites could believe. But how many of us know they, they complain? They're just like you and me. In the midst of trial, in the midst of tribulation, we complain. We ask God why. We wonder and we wonder and we we neglect and we neglect and we're so nasty with God. Why, God? Why, God? Why? 
Why, 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 why? You're not good enough. You don't see me. You don't got this. And they complained over and over and over again. To the point that they even saw God. God revealed himself through such craziness. And and he made a spectacle of it, I believe, so that they would believe. And yet still, man, they had a problem. And yet still, they did not believe. We're not much different. Our situations are the same. God provides for us over and over and over again. And we still find reasons to doubt God. The process and the journey to our destination kicks our behinds. We forget that it isn't about the destination, but it's about the journey. It's so that others, when they ask, how did you do it? You can tell them so that they could believe. In your trials and in your tribulations, you're going to find, family, that there's going to be things that are going to seemingly knock you down and beat you up. Now, I'm not here to tell you that God is purposely tripping you up, but God is allowing certain things to happen. He's allowing you to go through a journey because just going to the destination is not good enough. It's not good enough. What did you learn? When you get there, how would you act? What would you do? But he puts you through the process so when you get there, you know, you you, you feel it like, yo, you don't know what I went through to get here today. You don't know what I used to be. You see, I told you in the beginning of this thing that I had a rough week. And then, and then all of a sudden, I got to come here on a Sunday, six days later after a rough, rough week, and just preach revelation to your fire. And, and, you know, have you guys praise breaking. And just leave here like, oh, my God, my... Spirit is filled. I'm supposed to do that? No, I can't do that. But it was my journey to this point that God spoke to me and I tripped up and I had things happen to me so that God could tell me it's not about what you're going to do on Sunday. It's not where you're going to end up up here Sunday preaching. It's about what you went through. So when you get up here and preach, you can have them believe. I stand before you as a broken man, as a man who's gone through a lot of nonsense, a lot of trials, a a lot of tribulations. I made a lot of mistakes in my life. This morning, maybe, I even made a mistake. I probably should have ate something else. (laughs) But what I want you guys to know is that God is so real, so amazing, that it's this journey that builds me, that molds me. Look, I know some of us have gone through some messed up stuff, but I I feel like God is telling you guys today that, look, it's not, sometimes I, I needed you to go through that so that you can have that testimony. I needed you to understand what that felt like so that you can help someone else who was going through it at that moment. Hmm. You know, it's so it's so funny, man. I know that the the young adults had an amazing time and I believe and I think there was something along the lines of this where God was talking about your past and what you guys went through, huh? God is, God is good. I believe that there's people here this morning that needs to hear that. That yes, your past does not define you. It doesn't have to, um, you, you, you're not held down by it, amen? But you are a survivor. You've, you are an overcomer. And maybe you're like Moses. Maybe the destination you saw yourself, maybe, it's, maybe that's not it for you. You saw yourself going one way, and then God's like, look, I'm going to take this. It ends here, and I'm going to take you that way. But even in that, 
be strong, be courageous. Family, what I want to propose to you is kind of crazy. I want you to learn to love the process. My perception of life is changing. Before I used to stress and struggle so much. I remember about a year ago, I, 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 was, uh, I was let go from my job. I've sold this story before, and my old job it was connected with, I used to have an apartment that came with that job. So when I got laid off, I also lost my apartment. And I had two months to get out, and I struggled. And it was just around the summertime. So I had till September 1st to be out of the apartment. And I was stressed out of my mind. I ended up getting a call about this job, and, it was, and, and I felt really good about it. And I called the, I called the guy, and I, heard, and I felt in my spirit God tell me, that's the job for you. Don't worry. I'll make a way. I'll provide, and then you'll get your place, and it'll be fine. I got, I got on the phone with this guy, and he told me, look, not yet. I need you to call me. He goes, once a week. Who does that? Call me once a week, every single week, until I, until I can hire you. So I did. That was clear direction. Call once a week before, so I can hire you. And God telling me, this is the job. Don't worry. Don't stress. But guess what I did? I worried. I stressed. I, I would spend eight to ten hours a day on the computer looking for jobs, sending out resumes, trying to call, trying to connect to people. I got a LinkedIn account. That thing has never helped me. Has it helped anybody here? <laughs> I just keep linking up with, like, you guys. Like, none of y'all give me a job. Like, hey. Pastor George wants to be your LinkedIn friend. Like, thanks, George. We're friends. I got your number. Give me a job. But I kept stressing, 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 stressing. God, God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then finally, a week before, actually, but let me tell you what I, how stressed I got. A week before September 1st, I text my father-in-law and I said, I said, Pastor George, this is embarrassing, but I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to rent the moving truck for this such and such date. I don't have a place to live yet. So I'm either going to have to rent this truck and bring stuff to storage and move in with you and have my family move in with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Which it, it sounds funny, but you have no. Let me tell me. <laughs> side note. This man made me take a tour of his house. But right before we got married, I was like, y'all can live here. And I was like, no, we can't. That's not. This, we can't do that. So I believe they want us to live there. Trust me. <laughs> I'm a fun roommate. <laughs> so, so I called him. I said, I'm either going to have to move in with you, my family, in with you, or, um, or God will provide, and I'll move into an apartment. Rented the truck. Long story short, I ended up getting the exact job that, the God, that God told me I was going to get, which was a great job. I still work there to this day. Love it. On the week before, I found an apartment, a good apartment, great landlord, great people, right? It, it was the move. It was the easiest move I ever had. We moved like in just like two hours and everything was smooth and God provided right when he told me he would provide. But here's the moral of that story. I stressed out so much. It was summertime. My daughter, she was having fun. She was playing, but she was inside while I'm on the computer. You okay, babe? Okay. Searching, searching. I didn't take her out. We didn't go to the Bronx Zoo. We didn't do anything. Stuff that could have been free. I was so stressed, worrying about what, what, what will God do for me? When the whole time I should have just been like, I love this process. 
who else gets fired in the summer? Ah, I'm a chill. You know what I mean? I'm going to go to the beach. <laughs> My wife is at work. <laughs> right? Not me. I was stressed out. I didn't love that process. And at the end of it, I, every time I think about that, I always tell my wife, man, I wish I would have just had more fun. You know, I wish I would have smiled more. I wish I wouldn't have stressed so much during that season. This morning, this crazy concept of enjoy the process, I propose to you. And I believe that God wants to tell you today that even if you're in the middle and in the thick of your struggle, You've seen miracle and miracle, and yet you still have a hard time believing. You're no different than the rest of the people all over the scriptures. Today, I want you to love this process because where you're going, it's going to be amazing. And when you get there, your story will be so truthful so that they can believe. Amen. Worship team, you can come up. And family, I... I want you to stand up with me this, this, uh, today. I know this is a fast preaching, but thank God, right? <laughs> and I'm going to read a verse to you guys, or a couple of verses to you guys. But as we rise, I want you guys to stay focused on what God is doing right now. And with every eyes closed, if you want to raise your hands, you can. Don't think about what I'm, don't think about looking up the verse that I'm about to look up. I promise you, I'm going to read it word for word for you. But I want you to focus on the words and on this scripture. It says in Isaiah 40, 28 through 31, this is a very popular verse, but I pray that it takes flight for you this morning. That it develops new legs for you this morning. It says, have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless it says even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength they will soar high on wings like eagles they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. This morning, let this scripture be a reminder, a constant reminder as he says all over the scriptures. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He will not let you fall. That even in the midst of your struggle, your trials, your lack of belief, God is telling you, I got you. There is no circumstance too large, no situation. There is no bill too high, no, no devastation too large that I cannot bring you from. This is just your journey, family. And God is telling you, I have a purpose and a plan and a destination for you. Do not think that it ends here. Do not let it end here. 
but allow this miracles, these miracles that are in the Bible to inspire you that yes, I've seen it all and yes, I have this belief, but this morning I'm going to love this process, God. I'm going to seek after you. I'm going to trust in you. I'm not going to wait on on my own situations and my circumstances, but I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to stay still and be calm. This morning, God has a purpose for you guys, a plan for you guys. Do not leave here today without allowing God to pour into you a love for the process, a love for the journey, so that you may believe. Right now, Father God, I just pray, Lord, fresh wind of anointing. Fill us up, Father God. Wave after wave after wave after wave after wave, Father God. Drown us beautifully in your spirit, Father. Overflow us, Father God. We can't do it without you. We've tried, we've failed. Our own disbeliefs prove over and over again that our that our that we're just junk without you, Father God. But with you, Lord, we are overcomers. We are more than conquerors. We we are survivors. This morning, if you you're going through the thick of it right now there's a situation that you're going through where you feel man I came in here disbelieving I came in here like I really honestly thought that maybe God forsake me that he forgot about me and I want to invite you to the front this morning because this morning we're gonna we're gonna pray for you I'm gonna ask the prayer team to come to come up also and pray for them and I'm gonna ask that a fresh wind A fresh wind, a new belief, a new this morning. You will not be afraid, that you will not be scared, or, 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 or you will not tremble, that God will go before you, he will take care of it for you. There's nothing that he cannot handle in Jesus' name. Jesus' name.